us this morning, please turn with me to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, chapter number 3 this morning. Revelation, chapter number 3. I sure have enjoyed the good singing this morning, special singing, choir singing. Appreciate the good Sunday school lesson. Pastor Ryle was teaching it just like it is, to men and women just like we are. The persecution will arise, and those things will happen. But I'm glad that uh, the Lord is on our side. He's on our side. All right. They said the preacher called me. I tried to get the preacher to come to the camp meeting up there. I begged him to come. I called him early last week and then called him about Thursday night. And he was sitting in a tub of water and said the air conditioner's on. And he said, I'm not coming up there. He said, I'm not coming up there. And uh, I weighed when I left and weighed when I got back, and I lost 10 pounds. Now, that's to God's truth. I'm telling you, I lost 10 pounds preaching up there. But we had a good time. Had a good meeting and uh, at Greer Baptist Camp. We had a good time. I want to preach this morning. I believe the Lord has laid this message upon my heart, and I trust it will be a blessing to you. And I do, too, pray that you'll come back tonight and be with us in the service and then try to be faithful to every service. I believe the Lord has some things He wants to say to us and to encourage our hearts and challenge us in these days. And I'm not just here to fulfill a week of meeting, but I'm here to try to bring the messages that I feel like God wants us to hear in these days. And uh, these are the closing days, the last days. And I hear that a lot, and it is true. But you know what? It's been the last days since the Apostle Paul. Since Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Timothy, these are the last days. And it's been the last days for a long, long time. But look here with me this morning in Revelation chapter number 3. I don't have time to go into a long, detailed discussion of the book of Revelation. But in chapter number 2 and chapter number 3, you find that the Lord is writing His messages to the seven churches. And he's using John, who was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. History gives that he was bald in oil, and they tried to kill him, put him on the Isle of Patmos to die. But it was there that God gave him the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he starts out writing to the church of Ephesus, and he winds up writing to the church of Laodicea. And those, there were seven churches, seven literal churches there then in Asia Minor that John was writing to. And as it comes to a close now, writing to these seven churches, he said in verse number 19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door. Now, I want you to see this now. At the close of the church age, this is what the way I see this. After he's written to the seven churches, and not only were there seven literal churches there, but I believe those seven churches have a prophetic message all the way from Pentecost all the way to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They cover different time frames that the last 2,000 years. But he said here in verse 19, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, as far as I can tell, all of you have two ears on the side of your head. Some of the ladies have their ears covered by their hair, but you have two ears that you're going to hear my audible voice with this morning. 
But I'm praying that you'll hear more than that. I'm praying that you'll hear what the Spirit of God has to say to the church this morning. Notice in chapter 4, verse 1. I want to read one verse out of chapter 4. After this. John said, after this. Or in other words, after the church age had come to a close. Many believe that chapter 4, verse 1, 2, and 3 is a mini picture of the rapture. He said, after this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it was the voice of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. I want to use chapter 4, verse number 1, as the thought for this morning. I want to go back and look at verse 20 for just a second. But I want to preach this morning after chapter, out of chapter 4, verse 1, when John said, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened. I want to preach on, Thank God the door is still open. Thank God the door is still open. You see, at the close of the church age, when John said after this, I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. And I believe that door is still open. I believe that door is going to stay open until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you, I'm excited about the door still being open. Now, as you look at this passage of Scripture, John's come down to the end of the church age now. And he's dealing with the church of Laodicea, the last church. And you know that word Laodicea means the rights of the people or the justice of the people. And then he begins to rebuke them, the Lord did. He said, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. He said in verse 15, I would thou were cold or hot. So because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And I believe that's where we're at in these last days. I believe there's a mixture. There is a mixture of the Philadelphia church age and the Laodicea church age in these last days. So I tell you, when I come to verse number 20, I stand encouraged. In verse 20, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You say, well, preacher Satan, we use this verse a lot when we're out witnessing and, and we're dealing with sinners. Now, I know you might be able to lift that verse out of the context uh, and use it to talk to a sinner and try to explain to the sinner the Lord's knocking at his heart's door and he'd like to gain interest. But that's not the interpretation of this passage of Scripture. The Lord is standing on the outside. And he's knocking, trying to gain an entrance in these last days into the church. That's the truth, friend. That's what that verse is implying. And I was reading behind Dr. G. Campbell Morgan just recently. And Dr. G. Campbell Morgan, that great preacher of days gone by, he said the only cure for lukewarmness is the readmission of the excluded Christ. Now, that's the truth. It seems like we've excluded Christ and we've pushed him on the outside of the average church in America. While we're running on our money, we're running on our machinery, we're running on our knowledge and our ability, and whether Christ meets with us or not, the average church member wouldn't even know it. Did you know that? They wouldn't even know. I mean, it's been so long in some churches since 
since there's a visitation of the Holy Ghost, they wouldn't even know if the Lord showed up or didn't show up. I tell you, we need to readmit and ask the Lord to come back and visit with us in these last days. Now, I'll tell you how the Lord birthed this message in my heart. Now, some of you stay awake and look up here. Here's where it's happening. Unless you're praying, unless you're interceding, please keep your eyes open. A few months ago now, I was preaching for Brother Sammy Allen down in Resaca, Georgia. I was driving back and forth every night, and I stopped to pick up two preachers. And I made a mistake that night. Two good men of God, they love the Lord, but they've been going through some valleys and through some trials and hard times. And the Lord and I was furnishing the transportation and the gas in the car, and one was sitting in the front seat and one was in the back. And the one in the back seat had just got right with God. He'd been out of church for nine years, a preacher who had been out of church for nine years. And here's what they begin to say. The one in the front seat said that God is not saving anybody. And the one in the back seat said, you're right, said I don't sense enough of the power of God in the average Baptist church to save anybody. And I mean, it was negative, negative, negative. But I was trying to meditate on what I was going to preach, and I got to listen to what they were saying, not an optimistic word. They were saying, God's not speaking, God's not moving, days of apostasy, last days. I slammed the brakes of my car on, I pulled over to the side, and I looked at those two preachers, and I said, brethren, God's not shut the door on us yet. The church has not gone out of business yet, and I want to say, amen. Friend, God has still got the door open in 1998. Now, if anybody shut the door, we shut the door on God. Because the Bible said, After this, I look. And behold, a door was open in heaven. Now look at verse number 20. I'll give you an outline, and then we'll throw the outline away and just preach, all right? In verse number 20, here is the Savior's attitude in these last days. Now, you know what you hear. Everybody's talking about the White House. Everybody's talking about how bad it is. Pakistan, China, and all this other stuff. And it's doom and gloom on every side. And we're down to the end, friend. But notice what the Savior's attitude was. He said in verse number 20, here's a proclamation that needs to be seen. He said, Behold... That word behold means to look and see. Brother Tom Hayes said it means looky, looky. There's something you ought to look at right here, friend. The Bible said behold, and then there's the position of the Savior. I stand at the door. That's where the Lord is in these last days. He's been regulated and pushed up to the outside of the average church. And he's standing at the door. Not only the position of the Savior, but there's the pleading of the Spirit. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That word knock means to rap. It's not talking about the rap that the young people listen to. Not the boom, boom rap. But it's talking about rapping at the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
friend. He's rapping at the door. And then notice not only the pleading of the Spirit, but the potential that is very special. That Bible said, Jesus said, if any man hear my voice. You see, a whole church may not hear his voice. I don't expect there to be an end time revival. I don't even expect there to be a nationwide revival. I know there could be, but I know where we're living and I know where the way it is. But if you and I, if we can hear his voice, you know what we can do? Thank God we can have our own revival. Amen. We can shout the victory and praise the Lord right in the midst of apostasy, friend. He said, if any man hear my voice. Now that's not just talking about the man in the male gender, but it's talking about man, woman, boy, or girl. Anybody that's saved by grace. You don't have to be the pastor. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher or a chartered church member. But if you're saved by grace, and if you can hear his voice, man, I tell you, there's a potential that's special right there, friend. And then here's the problem that needs to be solved. If any man hear my voice, and open the door. Do you see the problem that needs to be solved? God's not shut the door on us. But the sad thing is we've shut the door against God's blessings. You say, preacher, I've not been blessed lately. Then you've got the doors shut. Heaven's doors open, friend. And God wants to rain His blessings upon His children. And there's a lot of things can shut that door. Bitterness. Envy, malice, strife, backbiting, jealousy. There's a thousand things could shut that door. But that's the problem that needs to be solved. If any man hear my voice and open the door, then here is the promise that is sure. The Lord Jesus said, if you'll do that, are you listening? In the last days, at the close of the church age, even in the church at Laodicea, He said, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. Watch this now. He said, I will come in to him and sup with him, and he with me. That's a promise, friend, that is sure given by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you say, preacher, Satan, what are you saying? Brother Buster, I thought the day that I got saved, the Spirit of God took up his residence on the inside. And he did. You're sealed to the day of redemption. I'm going to tell you something, friend. There's a difference in being indwelt by the Spirit and having fellowship and communion with the Spirit of God. How long's it been? Look at me. How long's it been since you got the door open and got your heart cleaned out and got the skeletons out of the closet and you and Jesus have had a supping good time. Amen. That's what he said. I'll come into him and we'll sup with him and he with me. Now, I found out this word here, this 
this word sup, it's the Greek word that carries the idea of the afternoon meal. When you sit down in the afternoon and sup, we get our word supper from that word. Now, I know you all are city folk. I can look at you and tell you're raised in the city. Some of you are highly educated. And you might come to me one day this week and say, Pastor Ryle, you and Evangelist Buster Seaton, would you come over to our house for dinner? You know what time I'll show up at your house for dinner? About 11.30 or 12 in the afternoon, friend. You say, no, no, preacher. We want you there about 5.30 or 6. No, friend, 5.30 or 6. It's supper time. Amen. Well, you sit down and have the evening meal, and then you lay back and relax and reminisce about the day's activity. Do you see what the Lord's saying, church? Have you got an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying? He said, if you'll open the door, I will come into you and sup with you, and you can sup with me. Now, some of you look like uh, you've been drinking dill pickle juice uh, through a four-inch PVC pipe. You hear me? Uh, uh, you don't look like you've been supping with the Lord any here lately. Uh, amen. That's the truth, friend. Uh, I tell you, it's our God-given right. Uh, it's a promise that God said, I'll make sure to you. Uh, even in the last days, uh, I don't care how much apostasy, uh, I don't care how cold it gets, uh, I don't care how many prophets come on the scene if you'll open the door he'll come in and sup with you and you can sup with him your husband may not sup your wife may not sup the choir may not sup a Sunday school teacher may not sup but you and I can have a supper good time with the Lord Jesus Christ Amen now, Brother Mays used to use this passage, and he'd talk about how the grandmothers in days gone by always have a saucer, and they'd put their coffee cup in the saucer, and then they'd pour if it was too hot to drink. I've seen grannies do this. If that coffee in that cup was too hot to drink, she'd pour a little bit out into that, that saucer. I ain't trying to embarrass nobody, but you know what granny would do? She'd pick that saucer up and she'd go... She was having a supping good time. And Brother May said, Jesus on one side of that saucer and me on the other, having a supping good time. Have you ever had a supping time with Jesus? I mean, has it got surreal and got so sweet? That's what our brother was doing this morning. You say, why was he a runner? What's the matter with that man? What's wrong with him? He's just having a supping good time, friend. Hey, if you get the the door open and get things right with God, you and I can have the blessings of the Lord in these last days. Now, if you want to sit around and look like, listen, your mom in laws moved in, they ain't never going to move out. If you want to look like that, that's your business. Help yourself. But I purpose in my heart, by the grace of God, that I'm going to enjoy old time salvation in these last days. Amen. I am telling you the truth. You say, preach, I'm telling you, you open the door. He said, I'll come in and sup with you. That's what he said, didn't he? And he said, I'll sup with you and you can sup with me. Some of you are wiping tears from your eyes. I've seen some of these grannies. 
I was in a meeting here a while back in Rogersville, Tennessee, in a little country church. There's a little grandmother come up to me. She's probably a great-grandma. She looked like she's about 90. Had them little spectacles on her face and the little glasses, hair up in a bun. And had them long dresses on and had them long sleeves on. She got to patting me on the cheek. She said, son, said, it's me and Jesus in the morning. Said, it's me and Jesus at lunch. And it's me and Jesus at supper time. And she said, when I wake up in the middle of the night, she said, it's me and Jesus. She said, I'm a widow. But she said, I'm having a good time. Me and the Lord, she said, are having us a good time. I'm telling you, that can happen in your life. If you'll open the door. Get the door open. Well, if anybody starts another church and goes out now, not out of a split, don't split no church to start a church. But if anybody goes out and starts another church, I hope somebody calls it the church of the open door. Amen. Where we invite the Lord in. I mean, all of us have come this morning. We've come. I wonder how many of us prayed this morning and said, Lord, meet with us. Lord, show up. God, the Holy Ghost, manifest yourself. Make yourself known. Come in to us and let us fellowship with you and you fellowship with us. Now, this is so simple, I'm almost ashamed to preach it, but I'm going to preach it anyway. I mean, it's so simple, it's on the bottom shelf, and I don't think nobody can miss it. But the door is still open. You hear me? Now, the devil's trying to convince us in this last day that the door's shut. He's trying to tell us that the door to certain areas is shut. I'm telling you, the door is still open. Number one, this is so simple. Number one, the door to the petition of the supplicants is still open. I'm simply saying the door to the praying of the saints of God, to the prayers of the saints is still standing wide open. How many of you believe God hears and answers prayer? Would you raise your hand? I figured that'd be about everybody. Then why aren't we doing a little more playing than what we're doing? If you and I really believe that God heard and answered prayer, how come it is that the average statistic is that the average Christian prays less than three minutes a day. And the average pastor prays less than seven minutes a day. If we believe God hears and answers prayer, and we believe the doors open, why don't we spend a little more time with God? Huh? Hey, you believe He answers prayers, don't you? You know what I read one day? One old writer said the prayers that God doesn't answer are the prayers we never bother to pray. Amen. He answers prayer. And I know this is so simple. Listen, the Lord wasn't playing games with us. But he said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Jesus wasn't playing games. When the Word of God said in Jeremiah 33 and verse 3, you say that's in another dispensation. That's what they told Vance Havner one time. Vance Havner been praying that prayer, calling to me and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And there's a young seminary head, a perceived him and head come up to Brother Vance Havner and said that was for another dispensation. And Vance Havner, that old witty preacher, said, well, what about that? God's been answering that prayer for me 33 years. God must not have known it was
us for another dispensation. I'm telling you, you call unto him, and he'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not, friend. Our God is still hearing, and he's answering. That's the truth. And the door standing wide open. I remember reading in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel saw a vision. That thing so troubled him, he set himself to fasting and praying. He ate no pleasant food. He drank no beverages. He was fasting and praying 21 days. Three weeks, you hear me? Three long weeks. He interceded. He prayed for wisdom and understanding about that vision. But you know what the angel said when he showed up in Daniel chapter 10? Then said he unto me, that is the angel, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and chasten thyself before thy God, that my words were heard. I like that. God said, I heard you, Daniel, when you first uttered that prayer. God is still hearing and he's still answering prayer. Now, some of you are looking at me, and I know what you're thinking. You're looking at me with that look. Preacher, I've got a prodigal son. I've got a prodigal daughter. I've got prodigal grandchildren. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And it seems like they're getting worse and further away from God. Don't you let the devil tell you the door shut. Don't you give up, friend. No, you hang on to the horns of the altar. You keep storing up those prayers. God does hear. And he does answer the prayers of his saints. The door's still open. The door's still open. Some of you have shut your closet door. Some of you are not going in the secret place like you used to go into it. Some of you used to go out behind the barn. Some of you used to go out down there by the shed. Some of you used to get in the closet. I mean, you got in your bedroom closet and used to pray and agonize with God. God's not shut the door, but some of us have shut the door about praying. The door's not shut, number two. Number two, the door to the praising of the Savior's not shut. Amen. Now, some of you got almost scared a while ago right, when our brother jumped up. You thought he was having a seizure. Right? Some of you, I saw it on your faces. You almost fainted. Right? And uh, there were some visitors here, and they almost fainted. He jumped up and shouted. Right? Then he jumped up and ran up toward the pulpit. Right? And so you said, oh, no, I've got a visitor here today. What are they going to think about us? I tell you, that ought to be the normal service. Amen. The door to the praising of the Savior is wide open. Did you know the Bible said in Psalms 22, the Lord inhabits the praises of Israel. If the Lord would come down and reside and tabernacle when Israel would praise Him, I believe He'll do the same thing when the church of the living God gets to praising and blessing His name. Now the Bible said rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Paul was in a penitentiary when he wrote that. He was in a less than a desirable place. But he said rejoice in the what? Not in your circumstances, not in what's going on in your life, but rejoice in the Lord. He put his pen down, and I believe he had a shout and spell and picked it back up, and said rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Hey, I believe the door's still open. How long has it been since some of your children seen you rejoice? Some of your children and grandchildren have never, never seen you rejoice in the Lord. 
I don't mean, hey, you say, preacher, I just left that camp meeting, I'm fired up. I'm telling you, I'm fired up in my soul. And this may be a little more than you can handle. But if you want to send me home, send me home today and get me on out before the week's over, all right? I'm telling some of you never praise God. And you've never as much as raised your hand. Unless the preacher said, everybody raise your hand now. One, two, three, we'll praise the Lord. You've never got excited. I mean, really, you've never got besides yourself. But you do at the ball games. You do, buddy, at the ball games. And fishing. And basketball. And baseball. And soccer ball. The door to praising the Savior is still standing wide open. Boy, you say, preacher, I wish it's like it used to be. Preacher, Satan, I remember when they used to shout. Well, why don't you shout? My mama used to shout. My granddaddy used to raise his hand. Well, why don't you take up? Amen. Some of you can only shout on your own preaching. You say a man like that. Some of you can't shout on nobody else's preaching. You won't help nobody else preach, but you want everybody in town to help you when you're preaching. Amen. Did you know they still got matches around? They got some matches, stick matches that won't light except on their own box. You know they used to have them kind, and they still got them around. And they some Baptists just like that. They won't strike unless their preachers preaching, or unless they're preaching, or unless their groups are singing. I tell you, the name of the Lord is worthy to be praised. I found out in my Bible there's 21 times that this phrase is used. I will praise 21 times. 19 of the 21 times it fell from the mouth of David. No wonder the Bible said David was a man after God's own heart. David said in Psalm 7:17, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. Did you know you can praise the Lord because he's a righteous God? David said, I will praise thee, O Lord, in Psalms 9:1 with my whole heart. He said in Psalms 35:18, I will praise thee among much people. He wasn't ashamed when the crowd was there, friend. Oh, you say, I'm not saying everybody's got to shout like everybody else shouts, but at least you ought to have a facial expression or change. At least there ought to be a smile come on your face. At least you ought to look like God's done something good for you. Amen. Some of you look as bitter as quinine. What some of you have got you can... What some of you got, you couldn't give it to the Salvation Army. The goodwill wouldn't come by and pick up what you've got. That's the truth, friend. And I believe more people get excited about going to heaven. I believe more sinners are going to go to heaven when we that are saved get more excited about going to heaven. Amen. Amen. Some of you look like you escaped out of the mortuary this morning. Huh? I brought you over here and set you up. You might have been setting up all night. I can't even tell. Amen. The door is still open to the, to the praising of... Did you know the Lord likes it? Did you know the Lord loves it? Did you know that it's becoming of the Lord when we praise Him? That's why we've met this morning. I didn't come see what you had on. 
I didn't come to see what you was a driving out there. I didn't. I come to worship God. I come to see that lofty one, that holy one, that high one, that, that heavenly one, that, that majestic one. I come to behold Amen. Amen. The door's still open. The door's still open to the praising of the Savior. And I thought about this. The door's still open to the power of the Spirit. Now, there's been more, listen, there's a lot of confusion today, a lot of misunderstanding, but I am not going to let this charismatic crowd drive me away to the truth of the filling of the Spirit of God. Now, listen to me. I believe that when you get saved and born again, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 said, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, bond or free, and we've been made to drink into that one Spirit. When you get saved, you get baptized into the body of Christ. But the Bible did say in Ephesians 5.18, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. That's a command. And that word filled there is in continual action. It means be filled and continually filled. And it means to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Not everybody that shouts is a Spirit-filled Christian, friend. Not everybody that runs the aisle is a Spirit-filled Christian. I'm not saying that that those that do are not. But I'm going to tell you something, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. And the power of the Spirit is still available in 1998. But we've got away from preaching about that. We've got away from, you know, those, those years ago, Dr. John R. Rice, he'd come into town on a two-week meeting. Those men would preach one night on the fullness of the power of God. Dr. R.A. Torrey in Billy, in Billy Sunday, excuse me, in D.L. Moody's day, in D.L. Moody's evangelistic campaigns, many times he would get Dr. R.A. Torrey to preach one night on the fullness of the Spirit of God. And they would invite people to come and not seek a second blessing or a second work of grace, but to submit and yield, lock, stock, and barrel, and ask God to fill them and to control them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, I believe there's one baptism, but there's many, many fillings along the way. I don't know about you, but I'm a leaky vessel. I leak down some, and I need another filling. I leak down some, and I need another filling, friend. Amen. And are you listening? You don't have to be, you don't have to be gray-headed and salt and pepper hair. You don't have to be a, a hoary-headed saint to have the power, the fullness of God on you as a teenage boy and girl. If you're saved by grace, get along with God and pray. Ask God to fill you. Get filled with that book and walk in the Spirit. You can be a Spirit-filled Christian. Amen. Somehow we've got the idea that this went out with Tory. We've got the idea it went out with Billy Sunday. We've got the idea that this went out with Spurgeon and those men of days. I tell you, in 1998, the power of the Holy Spirit is still in operation. Amen. And you can be filled and controlled and enjoy the Christian life. Amen. Oh, I tell you, don't you like it when he breezes in? Don't you like it when the Shekinah glory of God comes in? Don't you like it when the Lord 
has been invited to come in. And He takes the invitation up. And He meets with us. The power of the Spirit of God. We've learned how to sing without the power. We've learned how to preach without the power. We've learned how to teach without the power. We've learned how to have church without the power. And that's the truth. And you know it. It's so friend. We can go through our mechanics and go through our... And I know the Lord doesn't meet with us in a holy gully washer every time. I tell you, when we come to God's house, we ought to be coming anticipating a visitation from the Lord Himself. Amen. And then I want to say this, the door is still open for the provision of the sheep. I don't know what you've got need of this week. I can't see in your hearts. Man, look upon the outward appearance of God, look upon the heart. And if I could see your heart, I still couldn't provide what you need. But I'm glad I'm serving an all-sufficient. I'm serving the El Shaddai, the Almighty God, the Mickey-breasted God, where every saint of God can come and get everything they need. Did you know that? I mean, He can supply our needs in these days. That's the truth. I mean, has God answered any of your prayers just here right lately? That's not good English, but that's mountain term. Has God answered any of your prayers just here right lately? Has God done anything for you right lately that you asked Him to do? Huh? I mean, is God moving in your life in a real way? Well, I tell you, He knows what we need now. He knew. Are you listening to me? I tell you, in Genesis 22, there goes Abraham and Isaac up that Mount Moriah. But at the same time, Abraham and Isaac was going up Mount Moriah. And Abraham was determined to slay his son Isaac. I believe God was marching that ram up this side of that mountain. God knew exactly what Abraham was going to have need of. When Elijah preached his first message, I mean, he started out the citywide campaign. And the first message was to King Ahab. And God said, shut it down, retire for three years, and go down by Brook Cherith and sit down, down there. Elijah might have thought, Lord, we've just started the campaign. Let's rally Israel. Let's see revival. God said, go hide yourself. He said, I'm going to send ravens to feed you bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And God had exactly what Elijah needed down by the brook. Because you know God knows what you need. I mean, look at me. Listen to me. I'm not just mentioning. God knows what every teenager needs. He knows what every young married couple needs. He knows what us middle-aged people need. He knows what the hoary-headed saints need. He knows what the widow needs, the widower needs. He knows the need of every one of us. And beyond that, He's able to supply the need of everyone. Hallelujah. The door is still open. Heaven's blessings have been turned earthward now since Jesus hung and bled and died at that cross. Now sometimes I'm careful about special and particular and personal illustrations. But I know this to be the truth. Would you bear with me? I mean, most of you know I've been battling this chemical imbalance and I ain't ashamed to tell nobody about it. For the last three years it's been up and down and on and off. But here just about right after December, right there about that month, I was going through a downtime. I mean, I was low and dragging bottom and going through that slew of depression. And my kids ran out that day and I was going to have to take some weeks off, a couple of weeks off because I couldn't go. Had to cancel one of those meetings down there in, in, in Walterboro. I wanted to go to that meeting, wanted to go, tried to, tried to hold out to the last minute and could not make it. And my kids ran out and got the mail. And they come back in, they brought some bills. 
And then they brought two other pieces of mail that day. Now, this is on a Saturday afternoon. I was sitting there, and here's a, met, here's a letter from Rochester's Hills Baptist Church, Rochester's Hills, Michigan. I ain't never been there, don't know where it's at. And I opened it up, and the pastor said, I heard you as a man of God, hope this will be a blessing. And there's a check in there for $100. I tell you, my eyes flew open. I said, Lord, I ain't never been there and don't know them people. And then here was another letter the same day. Are you listening to me? The same day. Here's one from Central City, Iowa. I'd never been Iowa, way out yonder. I'd never been out there then. I opened this up and it said, blah, 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 that's your preaching. We heard you on tape. You've been a blessing to us. Hope this will be a blessing to you. And it was a check for $500. My little boy was standing there, Jonathan. He's 13 years old. And tears got to running down his face. He jumped up in my lap and grabbed me. He said, Daddy, I hadn't told you, but I've been praying every night after we have prayer. He said, I've been praying every night by my bed that God would send in what we need. I knew you was going to have to take off. And about that time, I was about to shout. Amen. My boy done got happy, got to cry. He was squalling, hugging my neck. And then, the same day now, the same time, my wife came in. She walked in the room and she said, Buster, this letter came yesterday. This letter came yesterday on, on Friday. And she said, I opened it and read it, but it didn't make no sense. And I, I said, well, Barbara, who's it addressed to? She said, you. I said, well, give it to me and let me read it. Maybe it'll make sense to me since it's addressed to me. I mean, that makes a little sense, don't it? And uh, this is not long. It won't take long. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a pulled across. And I opened this thing. comes from Mize, Mississippi. I've never been to Mize, Mississippi. Didn't know where Mize was. And I, this is the same Saturday now. Now, those two there were nice. They paid the bills for the next week and a half. But right here, there's a little letter that said, Christian greetings. The writing is real crooked. I knew it was an older person. She said, I don't know you personally. Never had the privilege of being in your meetings. But I've heard your tapes. A preacher told me that you loaned them to me and said you've been having some problems. He requested prayer for you. And this man knew about my situation with chemical imbalance. He, she said, I was praying this past week, and while praying for you, the Lord gave me a message that I hope will bless and encourage you. Now, you know what? A lot of times I've been skeptical, and a lot of times I might have dropped that in file 13. But the Holy Ghost said, don't you put that down. You read a little further. I still believe that God can communicate with His sheep in prayer and give them a word in prayer to give you a word that might help and encourage you. I, believe, I don't believe in audible voices. I don't believe in God speaking like that. But I believe He speaks through the Spirit of God. And she was in prayer. And I went on. Here's what she said the second part of this letter. Here's the message. She said that God gave her. It said, My son, you serve me faithfully. You bless my sheep. There have been times you've grown weary and your body needs rest. In resting, your strength will be restored. Healing will come. You will go in my strength. You have, will have a fresh anointing. Be encouraged. When I read that, I can't explain to you. I mean, it's like liquid love fell across me. I mean, the power of God fell across my soul. Jonathan ran through the house and said, Mom and Daddy's getting ready to shout. I tell you, I had a, I had a spell, friend. I got to weeping and got to crying. And the Spirit of God said, Son, we've not forgotten you. It's not your prayers. It's not your preaching. But we've got an old saint hid away down here in Mize, Mississippi. That's a interceding and praying for you. I'm telling you, God knows how to get you just what you need in the nick of time, friends.
And before God, judgment day, honesty. This is the honest truth. I got on the phone, called two or three preachers in Mississippi. Nobody knew where Mize was. I was sitting there. It's about 9.30 or 10, Saturday. The phone rang. So help me. Judgment day, honesty. A boy from seminary, Mississippi. I've been to seminary twice. Y'all know that? I've been to seminary twice. Seminary, Mississippi. He called. He said, Brother Buster, you're going to be with us in three weeks, aren't you? I said, Lord willing, help permit. I've had to take some time off, son. I said, by the way, I said, Tim, do you know where Mice, Mississippi is? He said, it's right up the road, about 40 miles. I said, hang on. I said, do you know an old saint by the name of Miss Clara McKay? Here's how he answered. He said, oh, God. He said, preacher, that's the most holiest saint we know down here. I said, I said, Tim, let me read you this letter. I read him the letter and he called me and threw the phone down. I could hear him shouting from room to room to room. He came back and he was shouting. He said, if she told you that, she heard it from the throne room. I said, tell me a little bit about her. He said, she's 82 years old. Her and her husband were missionaries deep in Mexico for years. Her husband died. She's been a widow for almost 40 years. Thank God. That night now, later on that night, I said, you got her number? He said, I can get it. He hunted up and I called her. And I didn't realize. See, it was about 10 o'clock Knoxville time, 11 o'clock Mississippi time. Most 82-year-old women are in the bed about that time. And I, did, I was excited and I called and she answered the phone and said, hello. I said, Miss Claire McKay. She said, yes, it is. I said, this is uh, Evangelist Buster Seaton. You'd have thought she was talking to D.L. Moody. She said, oh, what an honor to talk to the man of God. 